Welcome back to the High Impact Physician Podcast. Today's episode, Sandy is talking with Jason Velado. Jason's been a naval officer for 20 years. He's a physician. He's an author. You know, he recently wrote the book, Exceptional Every Day. He speaks, he coaches, a man of many talents. On today's episode, Sandy and Jason are talking about the wisdom that Jason's gained from his immigrant parents. They're talking about some of the differences between management and leadership. And they also dig into the difference between empathy and compassion and why that matters during COVID-19. Really putting everything that they're talking about in that context of COVID-19. So I hope it's super relevant and super helpful to you. With that, let's get into the episode. Awesome. Let's do it. I um, So Jason, welcome. I am so privileged and honored to have you on our show And I want to jump in, um, essentially recognizing that each person has their own unique leadership journey. Tell us a bit about yourself and how you got to where you are. So Sandy, first, I just want to thank you for bringing me on today because the, the opportunity to share my story and stories of others that I've crossed paths with in my life with your listeners, uh, because, you know, obviously without your listeners, you wouldn't have a podcast. So I always like to start off with thanking them. And so for me, Looking at my life over the last 40 years and going from uh, growing up in, in small villages and moving around with my family and having two immigrant parents and then actually going through the, the trials and tribulations of going through high school, then college and becoming a military officer, I think all of those different stories kind of shaped who I am today at 40 as a physician in the military Uh, being a military officer, leading young men and women into battle, and also not only into battle, but now in a clinic setting and trying to get the warfighter in their family ready for things like deployments and people struggling with cancer and different diseases. And what do you know at this time in the world in April 2020, dealing with this COVID-19 pandemic that we're going through? I think all of those individual experiences help shape who I am with my vision, my goal-setting mentality, and trying to do better every single day uh, <clears throat> has shaped me so that I can be the leader that I'm trying to be. So beautiful. There's so many things I want to dive into, though I, I don't want to step over something you said, that you were raised with immigrant parents. Tell us a bit about, um, I can imagine some of the nuances and complexity. Talk to us a little bit, maybe about some of the wisdom that you got from either of your parents. Yeah, so I think I think they both provided me with a diff, with different things. Obviously, they both were from different countries. They both had come to the United States. Uh, my mother came when she was fairly young, with her family moving from Italy, and my father did not come until his late twenties after he had actually served in the military. He was in the Portuguese military, serving in Africa for six years during a pretty troubled time in the late sixties, early seventies, which was different from what we were going through in the U.S. with Vietnam. But he was in this midst of this guerrilla warfare throughout East Africa. And my dad brought a lot of wisdom for a guy who didn't really speak any English up until the day he died. He spoke very broken English, just enough. Uh, But to come to the U.S. and to try and start a life and then meeting my mother and them creating a family, he had always shown me the work ethic. And he always basically had proved to me that it didn't matter really how educated you were, that work ethic was something that could be transparent through any socioeconomic background or any education level. And even though I've done a lot of school with master's degrees and getting my doctorate in medicine and going to Navy flight school, I always took what my dad had shown me in terms of just being able to do the best that you can with what you have. 
And I remember up until the day he died with lung cancer about 13 years ago when he said to me, you know, he hadn't even gotten a chance to retire yet. And at the peak of what he was making, he was making about $8 an hour. And he was pretty frustrated that I was now looking at leaving being an aviator in the Navy of flying to becoming a doctor. He, you know, obviously he saw a doctor was, that's awesome. You're going to help people. But he goes, but flying is so incredible. You're flying off of aircraft carriers. Why would you want to stop that? But he, he, he said to me, he said, Jason, at the end, I want you to know that I did the best that I could because we had a big falling out for 10 years where I didn't really have any uh, interaction with him when I went through college and my first three years, years in the Navy because of just issues that we had between one another and how we were raised differently. And, and I think, but I took the good things and, and he always said to me, give more to society than you take. And I don't think I ever met a man who really did that. I mean, this guy was so involved in the community for a guy who didn't really speak the community's language. He tried to do what he could to impart and help people that were around him. I'm so struck by so many elements of that. Um, first of all, thank you for your vulnerability and in really opening up about how complex family relationships are. Um, but then also how interesting that here he imparted this wisdom to you to give more than you can take. And here you are um, living a life that really is all about empowering others. Tell us, um, um, given that your father served in the military, I know you were in Navy, um, tell us a story about a significant life event you had, maybe when you're deployed in Afghanistan and Iraq or some other part of military life. Um, tell us a story about that and how that shaped you as a person. So I, there's been so many. I'm on 19 and a half years now uh, as of us having having this interview uh, communication today in terms of all the things that I've gotten to see since the year 2000. And, and when I joined the Navy, I think, you know, and not to make it cliche or think about significant events, but to be quite honest up front, I, I joined the Navy in September of the year 2000. And so, as you know, that's a year before a pretty impactful time in September of 2001 for our country with September 11th. And so to join during peacetime, to join when I had a father and a mother who didn't want me to go into the military, not because it wasn't appropriate to serve, but because of what my dad had seen himself back in the military of his day. And my grandfather, who was from Italy, had also been drafted by Mussolini's regime back in the late 30s, early 40s of World War II. So there were military in our family, but my father was very against me ever joining the military. And so for me to do that kind of went against the grain as well, but I saw it as a way to serve. And so there's been so many events. I mean, I, I, I think back to September 11th and now I was going through officer training and we were sitting in a room that morning uh, doing a, a history lesson on naval history. And there were 60 of us getting ready to become commissioned officers in the U.S. Navy back in Pensacola, Florida, where it all started for me. And and then one of the instructors walked in, one of the Marine Corps gunnery sergeants that was training us, walked in and said, hey, there's a big thing on the news right now. And they turned the TV on. And we were literally three weeks away from be, being commissioned as naval officers when September 11th happened. And I mean, that was such an impactful time to be 21 days or so away from from getting the officer's crest put on our uniforms and getting ready to serve, I took that event and, and really used it to carry me forward. And I thought about all the things they taught me about how, hey, what you're learning now in these 13 weeks of training is going to set you up for the rest of your careers, whether you do four weeks or, I'm sorry, four years or five years or a 20-year career, you are going to be given 
the opportunity to lead men and women from the ages of 17 and beyond who may have never had a leader in their life before. And I really jumped on that. And I said, you know, no matter what I do in the Navy, no matter how long I stay, I want to be able to be what a leader should be, not just a manager, but someone who can impart wisdom, but also provide mentorship. Someone who could be there, not just in going to say Afghanistan or Iraq, Iraq, like I had being in airplanes, being on aircraft carriers, but actually being there to listen to people's stories in terms of the hardships they were dealing with at home. And in the military, we deal with the loss of loved ones. We deal with divorce. We deal with everything that everybody else deals with in the civilian community, but sometimes on just a new level because of having to do six month or 12 month deployments away from our family members and not getting to spend that time with our children and not getting to be just as involved. So I I think there's been so many different things, but I, I think when I look back at the end of the day, Sandy, it's all about what have I done to help that next person kind of move forward in their life and get better every single day. Yes. And I'm struck by um, the experience you had back on September 11th, um, where you were told, um, you know, what you're about to experience is going to set you up for great opportunities to lead others and how, um, how impactful that is to think of in today's world with COVID launching, how we're now also today, right? Like being impacted. (laughs) And we've not been trained specifically, yet we're being called to, um, we're being set up to lead others in big ways. Yeah, so I, uh, yeah, how you say that. I mean, I looked back at my journal the other night, you know, after you and I had first spoken about setting this up, and I was looking back, and it was April of 2000 that my roommate and I were talking to the Navy recruiters. We are actually talking to the Navy and Marine Corps recruiters. We were in our we were finishing our third year of college and we had gone to a career fair and it was peacetime. We were looking at it as, Oh, great way. We go to serve for a few years, get the GI bill, get master's degrees paid for later on. You know, yeah, serving was, was there, but we didn't really understand the impact. And both of us right now, and I'll share this. I don't think this is a matter of national security at this point, but this was April of 2000. We were going through our physicals, doing our applications. And my roommate, Chris, who is still in the Navy now at 20 years He's actually on an aircraft carrier that's been talked about in the news a lot where they've had a COVID-19 outbreak. And to think that both of us were thinking about joining, it was literally April 2nd or 3rd of 2000. And now 20 years later, you and I are having this conversation in our country, in our world, is in the midst of a pandemic. And I'm not only involved military-wise, but also just as a military physician now. And so it's just, it's crazy where 20 years has gone. Well, and maybe it's even crazy to think that back in April 2000, you thought, we don't understand the impact that's about to happen and how true that might be for us today, (laughs) right? (laughs) Which is why this is such a privilege and honor to be connecting physicians with physicians about um, who the training you've all been through and the impact you're having. Let's move into a bit around your medical and coach training. I know during medical school, you're a chief resident you had an opportunity to attend a leadership development program. What were one or two of the key concepts that you took away from that experience that might be relevant to physicians today? No, that's great. Yeah. So, you know, just so we don't have people listening that might confuse it. So yes, I was, I went to medical school, then I went to residency. And then during my residency program, I I got selected to be a chief resident my third year. And I did get an opportunity to go to the American Academy of Family Physicians Chief Resident Leadership Development Program, 
which is an amazing experience. And I'm giving a shout out because I got to see the work that they did through me and what they've done through countless other chief residents and what those chief residents have brought back to their programs. And, and then I joined their faculty because I just, I had this motivation and, and inspiration from the lead faculty there from actually all the faculty who inspired me to want to do more. Two of the key concepts. So I would say one of them was, what does it really mean to, to have empathy, but how does empathy translate into compassion? Because I'd always been taught and growing up, I thought empathy, when you feel for someone else, you feel what they're going through. I figured that and compassion were the same thing. But little did I know that they're actually vastly different, and especially in what we deal with. So I think empathy is, yeah, where you try to put yourself in another person's shoes, try to understand what they're going through. And, and that's one thing. That's where you sit there and you envision what it would be like. And yes, we never know perfectly what another doctor's going through, what a patient might be going through, but we try to put ourselves in that position. Whereas compassion is actually feeling what they're feeling. Sitting in a room, I think about it right now in terms of, I look at nurses as family members and healthcare workers right now in this COVID-19, because right now I talk to so many nurses that are actually the last person that a patient who might be in an ICU or on a ventilator, this might be the last person that they get to hold, hold hands with, hug, and feel their presence because family members are not being allowed in rooms because of this disease that's getting spread so quickly. And so thinking about the empathy versus compassion, how they're both so important, but yet so different. And then I also thought about another concept that was so empowering on me that, that a gentleman by the name of Dr. Mark Greenwald really imparted on me was this idea of negotiations. And not negotiations when you just think the business sense, but being able to negotiate with a patient in terms of their healthcare or in terms of another physician, in terms of them taking care of themselves, so they can prevent burnout and using negotiation as both a strategy technique so that you can actually, you know, get to the heart of what needs to get completed. And so those two things have really stuck with me a lot and so many more, but you asked for two. So I was trying to keep it simple. Well, and I'm not sure there's anything simple. That is so powerful. <laughs> Recognizing the distinction of empathy and compassion. And I love the out of the box way you talk about negotiation. That really is a strategy to get to the heart of the matter. What a great way to reframe negotiation. That's so good. Awesome. So as I think about some of your other training, I know that you have a history of empowering people. And we're going to talk about your book on another podcast. It's so good. So you've got this history of empowering people, and you've openly shared a bit about your own journey as a leader. Um, tell us something that you've discovered about yourself as you went through some of your own coach training. I know you're a Maxwell certified executive coach. Um, talk to us a little bit about something you discovered about yourself in that process. Yeah, I, I think that's always such a great question. And I, you said something earlier. It's a word that a lot of people are afraid of. And I think over time, I've come to really harness it or accept it, especially since I was really shy as a child, um, you know, not having English as my first language and then having to develop that and, and always just being shy about presence and being on stage and, and kind of the public speaking aspect. And so for me, as I went through the coaching, I thought about the word being vulnerable. And, and what I meant was you brought up vulnerability earlier, because I think so many of us, especially in the profession that I'm in now, not just as a naval officer, but more as, as a physician, physicians hate being vulnerable with their patients. It's one of the things we, we hate to do. We hate being vulnerable with our colleagues as well, because we see it as a way that kind of brings us down and we're not at the same level anymore. And I've really harnessed that through my coaching. 
And I coach people that are blue collar all the way up to CEOs of companies working in the C-suite, professional athletes across all realms, NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball. I've been privileged that these people have let me in their lives. And I think when I have someone who didn't even want to be coached, where a, a company owner or CEO asked me, hey, I want you to coach these three employees that I have. And those employees were like, I don't want any coaching. I don't like this. I don't want to talk to you about my feelings and those things. And, and I started really understanding what vulnerability really meant. And it allowed me to connect with them even more because I knew that as I was sharing my life experience, not because, you know, real coaching, Sandy, as you know, because this is your profession, is not about telling someone what to do. The idea is getting them to actually empower themselves and where they coach themselves because the tools lie inside the individual. It's a matter of you and I as coaches just getting those tools to come to fruition and come to the outside so they can accept them. And when I would show them my failures and how John Maxwell talks about failure leading to success and how falling down and when we can get up from falling down, that's going to lead us to that next pedestal where we can overcome those obstacles. I think that vulnerability overall was kind of the key point for me. We talk about strengths and weaknesses, but I mean, I think it all comes down to how vulnerable are you willing to be because vulnerability leads to discovery. And until we're willing to put ourselves out there and know what we don't know, we don't have a chance of truly being successful. I am so sitting here smiling because I love <laughs> podcasting. I love interviewing, but the first time someone called and asked me to be on a podcast, first of all, I said, no, I'm, I'm just way too busy, which is a total lie. And then secondly, I said, okay. And I, I just wanted to vomit and eat my own vomit before I went on the show. And I know that sounds gross, but um, talk about vulnerability. It was so interesting to me that this side is easy, but the other side really freaked me out. And then I did it and I was like, oh my gosh, I want to do more, right? So this whole learning thing is just so wobbly and um, I so appreciate you bringing that up. I want to jump into a bit about your experience um, um, as a father. You've um, no doubt gathered all kinds of tools through your training, through um, your life experiences, and then you had an experience that was unexpected um, with the birth of your daughter. Tell us a little yeah. bit about that experience and how it's impacted you as a physician. Oh, I think I, I'm really glad you bring it up because a lot of times I think my vulnerability hasn't allowed me to really express it. And these days, more and more people are like, tell us more about it because I, th I think it really shows a lot who I am as a, a father, a husband, uh, a physician. And, and I think it comes together and I think it can help a lot of people. So... All right, check out part number two for the rest of Sandy and Jason's conversation where they're digging into why accountability partners and groups are important for not only your career development, but for COVID-19. Uh, spoiler alert, it has to do with failure. If you're interested in hearing that, definitely check out part two. Otherwise, I hope you have a great rest of your day.